Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Hey, and welcome back to Remodeler Stories. I'm Spencer Powell, your host. And today I sit down with Tom Curran of Tom Curran Companies. And they have been a leader in the home remodeling space throughout Massachusetts since 1986. They are a full service home remodeling company. And that means they can complete a wide variety of residential projects without the need to seek the help of multiple contractors. They do a lot of things in-house and run a fantastic operation. Now for my conversation with Tom Curran. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Spencer. And, yeah. Uh, knowing you're at game five really <laughs> made me envious. <laughs> yeah, voice is a little raspy as we kick this one off. But yeah, I was fortunate enough to head up to Denver and and see the Nuggets close it out. So it was, yeah, exciting stuff. And yeah, for those listening, we were we were chatting a little bit before we got started. And next year, we're hoping for, for Boston-Denver in the finals, and we can see how that plays out. <laughs> love, love to think of that happening. Yeah, yeah for sure. That'd be disappointing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We'll give everyone a little bit of context. You know, who are you? What's the company and, and where are you guys located? Well, I'm Tom, Tom Curran, and the company has my name on it. And we started in 1986 as a painting company, residential painting company. And right on. Yeah, uh, we've been in the Boston Metro West is, is really our area where we focus. And we try to actually have kind of a defined area so we can service our customers, whether it's a large job, large job or a small job. Yeah. Yeah. So painting, how did, how did you get into that and and why painting? <laughs> oh, you're really getting me going now. I had a series of retail businesses that I started when I was in college. And in- oh, interesting. And so I was really, you know, down in the dumps and I had some contractor friends that they said, Tom, Become a painting contractor, you know, doesn't cost much to start a painting company. And, you know, there's no barrier to entry. You, know, you yeah. don't even have to get a CSL license, you know. So, you know, I needed a new start and that's what I did. And I, I grew to really like it. I, I liked the aspect of the work that we did. I liked the interaction with the clients. And I liked the lifestyle nature of it where I could, you know, be coaching my kid's soccer team or, you know, little league or go see the school play. Cause I had control of my time. That's cool. So yeah, I always find it fascinating. A comment like that from somebody, Hey, you should start a painting business and then fast forward, you know, decades later and, and it evolves and you keep going. And I don't know, it keeps popping up more and more in, in my experience, talking to different people. It's, it's sometimes these 
seemingly small moments at the time, and then they turn into what becomes something much bigger. But I'm curious what that first year was like. You know, how'd you get your first few clients? Like what, what was it like? It was touch and go. And and as most people had started out with your friends network and people kind of having a little sympathy for you and bringing you in, you know, but you know, I, I was fortunate in that, you know, I had a good education and I, I knew how to find out about things. And I became a student of, of being a contractor. And, you know, one of the things that really has made a difference for me is my willingness to go outside of my comfort zone and get training or get coaching. And I, I would say that that's a significant reason we were so successful because most yeah. businesses fail. Yeah. Yeah, most of them. I, yeah, I forget what what it is within even the first year or three. It's a high percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're more than a painting company right now. You know, we're we're we're, we're diversified into carpentry and remodeling as well, so we can help our customers in a variety of ways. But ninety five percent of painting companies go out of business in the first three years. Wow. Yeah. What do you think? You said you you became a student. What do you think were one of the first couple of things that that you learned in that first three years that allowed you to be part of the 5% to make it past three? three? Oh, well, you can be the best painter in town. But if, if you don't know how to turn yourself into a sales and marketing organization, you're not going to have enough work. So you you have to you have to wear the other hats. You can't just wear the production hat and build a company and uh, support yourself and others. Yeah, yeah. So, what did you? What were some of those early steps in the marketing realm or the on the sales side that you that you did in the first few years? It's so interesting. I, I bought some products from Sherwin Williams. They said, "Come to the store. We're having a guy in to talk about marketing." I went. I spent the day and, you know, that's killing you because that's a day you're not working. Yeah. No money coming in. Yeah. No money came in, you know, but money did come in because I picked up the ball and ran with what he said, do direct mail program to zip codes. Mm-hmm. You know, you used to have phone books when I was doing it and you get the names and addresses. So you go get the voter registration list and you'd start sending out marketing and, you know, it works. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'm curious. A lot of people don't make that leap uh, very quickly. It sounds like you did. You know, a lot of people, I think, grow really slow, organic word of mouth over decades, and they kind of build up enough of that. But as you got involved in in marketing, started doing some direct mail, you know, getting some projects, how long did you sell for? And were, were you able to ever pass that off? Or did you pass off, like getting somebody to actually deliver on the painting jobs first? I stopped, you know, I went through what I call a a normal growth where it was me painting and then me estimating and me doing the books. And then my first hire, uh, besides other painters, was an administrative person who was a part-timer. She was great. And she typed all my estimates. Hmm. And that just saved me an enormous amount of time. Uh, And so, you know, bringing that person in brought you up a level. So every time you make one of these steps, you go to the program and you learn about 
the marketing, if that's what it is, or how to apply another service that's going to make you money. That's a step up in each one of those steps. They don't go backwards. They stay with you forever because even if you stop doing that initial service, you've learned so mm-hmm. much about yeah. bringing it into your company, integrating it, and and learning how to do a good job executing it. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, when you first started marketing for painting, and you started getting painting jobs, was that interior, exterior, or all residential? And then, kind of, what did that early evolution look like of the service offering? So early on, I would get some work from general contractors, but quickly discovered that that was not the best thing for me. So we, you know, I I focused on residential work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my experience with residential homeowners is they, they're happy, they pay their bills, and they will refer you. And general contractors typically are a little stingy, and they don't refer you. Mm -hmm. So you have a decision to make. I think you can be successful in either venue. But we chose uh, the fork of the road. We chose residential. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious in in reflecting back on the journey, and you've probably made a lot of decisions over the years on which way to go and strategy and stuff like that. But are there any like big pivot points or like evolutions in the business that when you look back, you go, "Oh yeah, that was kind of a big turning point for us." So in 1998, I joined an organization called Certified Contractors Network. And they're still in existence. I'm still a member. Great organization. And they teach you define production and sales processes. Hmm. And I'd say that really changed my life. Um, And then you're also... This is the part about getting out of your own comfort zone. You're in a room with a bunch of other business owners who are smarter than you are and more successful than you are. And they're willing to share with you. And, you know, it's up to you to pick up the ball and run with it. Mm-hmm. But that, that was a huge takeaway. I, I went out to uh, a conference in, it was actually in Las Vegas. And it was sales training for a week. And it it just changed the nature of how I operated and, you know, benefited me and my family tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a good one. And then when did you start to evolve your service offering from expanding from painting? So we just were killing it in, you know, in the paint world and customers were happy and they were like, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Or, you know, it was the outside of the house and you didn't have a carpenter and you'd have to stop the job and go get your carpenter that you used to, to fit you in. And we said, okay, we gotta we gotta smarten up here. And so mm-hmm. we gotta expand. But that's complicated because that's each one of those trades is a new learning curve. Mm-hmm. You know, renovation work is very different from carpentry, and carpentry is very different from paint. So once again, you know, getting mentorship. You know, I, I hooked up with Phil Ray, and Phil Ray was, uh, you know, a guy who was in the remodeling world and taught your processes for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Do you it's remember really like, going outside of yourself 
and taking advantage of the offerings that are out there and being, you know, committed to to looking for the the, the top flight opportunities to learn. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Do Do you remember what year that was that you kind of said, okay, we're going to get into carpentry. And then I'm also curious when you added the remodeling side too. So carpentry, we started about 2000 and remodeling okay. in about 2004. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. What do you think has surprised you the most about being an entrepreneur or business owner? Just how much I like it, you know? Mm. I, yeah. I I get up every day and I'm excited about what I'm doing. And I'll, I'll say a big part of that is having the right team. Yeah. I remember when I started out, I didn't have the right team. And it's much harder. Yes. Much harder. Yeah. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a second and say thank you for listening to the podcast. And in addition, if you ever want your marketing questions answered on the show, shoot a quick email to radio at builderfunnel.com. That's radio at builderfunnel.com. All right, back to the show. What was the turning point there from not having the right team to figuring a few things out and going, oh, now there are a couple of turning points around that. One was yourself. You know, when I first started, you know, I made all the typical mistakes of hiring people and, and you know, because I liked them and not trying them out. But you got to learn to be a good manager. Mm-hmm. And you're not automatically a good manager. So how, how do you do that is, is really important. So, you know, that 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 came on slowly over time, and I'm sure you see that in lots of companies. That we're- oh yeah, yeah. I feel like entrepreneurship is like the best place for personal growth and development because it's it's almost forced upon you. You can get complacent, but if you're somebody that's kind of got your eyes up and you're trying to move forward. You, there's always a new skill to learn. There's a new level. There's something like you're always working on yourself and, and then it, it ripples through the organization. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, it, that's my nature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm suited for that. Yeah, that's cool. Well, uh, I'm, I'm curious. It sounds like you really got going with painting, built a great customer base. They were super happy. They kind of asked for more. You started bolting on, you know, new service offerings to to help fill that that void or or demand, I guess, from customers. Where you guys are at today, what do you think makes you unique, you know, when you're in the sales process, when somebody hasn't worked with you before? How do you guys stand out? I think we stand out in that we we have a, a real process that we put customers through and make sure we're all a good fit for each other. Hmm. And we're willing to say, no, I don't think this is a fit. And sometimes, frankly, it's, it's when you're entrepreneurial and I was painting and, you know, I needed an aerial lift and I'd never been on one in my life. I went out and got an aerial lift and started doing it. But as you develop a sophisticated company, you can't do that. You have to know what to say no to. Mm-hmm. And it, it defines you as much as what you say yes to. 
I couldn't agree more. I think I think that's one of the bigger parts of strategy actually is defining what you won't do as much as what you will. So, so we work for residential homeowners. If you call up and you don't own the home, it's unlikely we're going to go visit you. Yeah. Um, we you know we try to stay in a limited geography. You know, even though our clients, well, we have a client, you know, that was in Lincoln and they moved to Milton. Milton's a little further away and harder to get to. And, you know, so we we wouldn't put a sign out. We wouldn't ask for the job in Milton. Mm -hmm. We'd ask for the job in our core area instead. And so, you know, learning what to say no to is is what to say no to in your marketing, what to say no to in, in, in what you'll do. We work within the existing building envelope. Mm -hmm. You know, um, people ask us, can you put an addition on? And, and if it's a it's a three-season porch and they want to turn it into, you know, a, a year-round space, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. But if it's going to require site work and a very, very long, complicated permitting process and lead time, that's not who we are. Mm -hmm. We're not set up for that. And so we say no to it. And Saves you a lot of headache. <laughs> look, it's it's really good to get up the learning curve, but it's not good to stress yourself out on a new learning curve every day, unless it's strategic. Mm -hmm. You know, we do strategic things now where, you know, we have a bell curve for services. You know, you ramp up in the summer and you're not as busy maybe in the winter because we're in New England. So we have a strategy to bring up those shoulders. And that's part of what renovation and remodeling was about for us. Yeah, that's cool. Have you figured out a framework or a process or is it more intuitive to know when one of those decisions is, hey, this is a little more strategic and pushing me out of my comfort zone versus this would just be pushing out of my comfort zone, but really it's a distraction and, and not the right move. So one of the problems with entrepreneurs is they love shiny new things. Oh yeah, we love so them. It's been very important that I have people who put limits on me. And we have a team now, a management team, and it's a fairly sophisticated group of people. And, and so we are able to think strategically and make those decisions. Yeah, that's uh, cool. I'm really proud of the fact that we've gotten there. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, just reflecting back on the journey, what do you think has been one of the toughest parts of growing a business? Well, leadership is the hardest thing. Always there's some luck. And, you know, I've been very lucky in life and, uh, you know, and I've made an effort to learn how to be a good leader um, and a good student. And I'll go back to it again and again, surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah. The people part is it's the most difficult part but it's all, all also everything right it's team yeah. it's clients it's yeah we're, we're only as good as our people and, and it's also important in the hiring process to know that if you have a designed system for doing things and people can't operate in that design system it's just not going to work yeah 
and you can try to make it work and try to make it work, but it won't. And, you know, I remember being in a business school environment and, you know, they said, you know, to me, just that you have a design system, stop hiring people or trying to hire people and fit them into that system. If they're not that right type of person. And we profile people to try to get at that. And I know a lot of businesses are doing that since 2000. Yeah. 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 the hiring process is it's it's challenging because you can put in those guardrails like the disc assessments and the different profiling and and you can stack up a bunch of interviews and there's still this like unknown element until they like get in and, and join and you start working with absolutely them. yeah it's it's so tough yeah i read a good book that we we pulled an idea out of it it basically was like and especially I mean, you should argue that probably every role in the company is is critical and you want to be intentional about each hire, but stacking as many hours as you can in the interview process from different points of view. So having them meet with the owner and somebody in production and somebody a peer and somebody that might be supervising that. And then you you get a lot of time with that person by the time you've made that decision. But even still, there's always some unknowns in there. So there are always unknowns with people. And, you know, many times, you know, if you're going to bring people on, you have to have a good onboarding plan. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to have a good onboarding plan. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you learn it as, as you go on that. But what does Warren Buffett say? An idiot with a plan will beat a genius without a plan mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, at least have a plan. At least have some sort of plan. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, Tom, in thinking about where, where you guys are at today and, and what you're up to, like what gets you up in the morning? What gets you super excited about what you guys are up to or where you're headed? Well, again, it's the people I'm working with. It's very satisfying now compared to the way it was, you know, eight years ago. It's just so much different and better. And then I've always enjoyed the client interactions. I I like going to the job sites. I like finding out what's going on. I like meeting the customers and learning their perspective. And, you know, I find that very satisfying that we're delivering and making people happy. Yeah, that's cool. What's on the the roadmap for the next few years? Are you guys adding any any new service lines or? Yeah, we're uh, growing. We we got some strategic moves we're making. Cool. And, um, you know, one of the nice parts about it right now is we've kind of built a layer of management to to, to go after that now. Uh, and it's not all on me, which is great because I, I refer to myself as the weak link. <laughs> people smarter than me now doing things. So it's good. That sounds like you built it right then. That's what they always say is, uh, yeah, you want to want to bring in the people that uh, can do each each role a lot better than you can. So. I, I've, I've, I've been successful. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. What about industry trends? You guys are in the, the Northeast part of the, the country. The last couple of years have been pretty wild, ups and downs. What are you seeing for the next couple of years? Anything we, we should be watching or anything you're paying attention to? Well, it's hard to you know, predict the future and there's always black swans. I mean, we, we, we all know that. But I think the trend in 
New England, where, where I am, and outside of Massachusetts, Boston, Massachusetts, is that people are going to continue to renovate their homes. It's a little bit harder to move because of interest rates. So I think it's going to affect builders more than it affects, uh, you know, renovators, remodelers. And, you know, the nice thing about us is about 65% of our business comes from a repeat customer Mm -hmm. or a referral customer. And I don't think that's going to go away. I think things could slow down. Things could pick up. I don't know what, what they'll do. But I know that, you know, having that kind of reputation for quality and doing the right thing every day stays with you in an upturn or a downturn, you know. And and we try to remind ourselves, even though we've been, you know, in a busy thing that we're not geniuses. It's keep answering the phone, keep being polite to people, keep telling them the truth and doing the right thing. And we'll be okay. Yeah, 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 that's great. Well, Tom, there's other remodeling companies out there listening to this. Any final words of wisdom or last piece of advice you want to leave everyone with? Yeah, two things. Uh, Stretch and hire the right people. And don't pay rent takers for leads. You know, do the heavy lifting yourself so you're not beholden to Angie's List or some other outside person that wants to grab some of your profits. Yeah. You know, you, you, you have to develop a, a company that can do the work and it should be an internal activity, not an external activity. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, Tom, I appreciate you carving out the time and sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.